Specs Franklin. Medical emergency in Brown 9. I'll have a man standing by to guide you in. It's too late. Don't say that. You're gonna be fine. No. My search is over. I failed. No one left. No one. Yes, there is. I'll do it. I'll find the grail. Thomas. I want to do it. Find it, Aldous. I swear, I'll find it. this last testament. Transmissions holding. Match incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. there in podcast land welcome to gray 17 a babylon 5 podcast a part of the front row network and npr illinois community voices we are here for a special bonus episode which is an interview with a member of the cast from season one mr tom booker tom played an affectionately known character named jinxo in the grail uh or grail and we are looking forward to talking with you today, Tom, about your experience there, but also just your career and anything else you want to chat about. With me, I'm Scott, and with me is Kevin, who will be joining me in this little interview. And Tom, how about you just introduce yourself and tell folks who you are and what you're all about? Hi, uh, everybody. My name is Tom Booker. I uh, play Jigsaw in Babylon 5, my really one and only, my biggest uh, role, television or otherwise. Uh, except unless you count late night bad taste theater. Um, uh, and I've just been a, an actor, uh, a writer, a director, and uh, mostly a, um, I'm also a teacher and an acting coach. Um, so I guess that's, I, I don't know. It's for, for decades, people have been asking me, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm not sure. So what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> Uh, financially secure that's that's the goal right now that's... i think you may have picked the wrong uh oh, yeah. no a lot of money in improv a lot of money in improv sure? yeah, yeah. <laughs> second only to puppetry 
There you go. <laughs> so, Tom, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about, obviously, your stint uh, in B5, but I also want to chat a little bit about just your experience as uh, an actor. I know you've got some uh, connection. Where we are all from, this uh, show is mainly based with hosts that are from Illinois and the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. and you had some uh, some time there as well. Yep. But I'd love to hear from you about how you got into acting and how that led you to uh, getting cast for the show. Um, well, I'm from Tulsa originally, and I went to the University of Oklahoma and uh, to study journalism, radio, TV, film. And I was going to quit, but then I became the, the mascot for the uh, University of Oklahoma basketball team from 1984 to 1986. And uh, I liked people looking at me and I had a roommate from Chicago and he told me about this place called Second City. Never heard of it. And I called him up and I said, hi, I want to take classes at Second City. They said, uh, do you have any experience? Nope, but I was a mascot for University of Oklahoma basketball team. And they told me about this place called uh, um, the Players Workshop of Second City. So I went there. Then I went to got into Second City Conservatory and and I studied uh, with Del Close and Sharna Helpern at, at Improv Olympic. And I was on a house team there for a number of years called Blue Velveeta. And I was also one of the founding members of the Annoyance Theater. Uh, I was part of the, the flagship show, Co-Ed Prison Sluts, the musical. I played the part of the cross-dressing prison psychiatrist who sings a love song to a dog. Um, did a lot of stuff at, at the Annoyance at, at, and I.O. Uh, wrote some musicals with Laura Hall. Our first one was Manson, the musical. Uh, it was a family musical. Uh, we gave out little hits of acid. Not really, but maybe, no. And uh, um, uh, there, there was a show that they were doing at the Annoyance uh, called The Real Life Brady Bunch. And I was lucky enough to go to New York. So I played Bobby Brady off Broadway for a year and then went to L.A. and... Uh, with the show, I was Bobby Brady for a year there. When the show went on tour, I stayed in L.A. to get my pilot, uh, my TV pilot, and uh, that didn't happen. But I got sober, and uh, and my um, first sponsor said if I wasn't, if I was in a play, I didn't have to go to meetings on Fridays or Saturday Saturday nights. So I formed a theater company called Theater Go Go because a lot of Chicago friends have moved out, including Laura Hall and. We wrote uh, Patty, Patty, Bang, Bang, the Patty Hearst musical, Up With Puberty, beautiful musical about the ugliest time of your life, um, uh, You, Me, and LSD. And um, it was about that time that I got cast in uh, uh, Babylon 5. Be- uh, although at the time, I my, my first job in sobriety was every actor's dream. My first job was for Steven Spielberg, right out of the gate. I was a waiter at his restaurant. Uh, it was a, uh, it was a, called dive and it was a uh the restaurant was shaped like a big submarine and they served ready for this gourmet submarine sandwiches it's not open anymore uh they uh uh, originally the building was supposed to shake but as they were building it um there was the northridge earthquake and they realized that maybe it's not a good idea if a building moves in la um and uh I've done it. I made my living mainly as com- uh, doing commercials. I love doing commercials. I've done about 80, um, including one in 2005 with uh, uh, um, Melania Trump. Uh, yep. So uh, when Trump started uh, running for president, uh, I was on CNN dressed as Igor. Uh, um, I am not pro Trump. <laughs> 
Just so you know, for that death. No, you're you're pro paycheck. So. I had a fun yes, I had a fun afternoon. This was this was right after the apprentice started, and so uh, she was very nice. Um, he was not on the set. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, what else? And then I um, I started teaching at the Second City Training Center in 2001. Uh, a friend and I did a, a, a feature film called, uh, this is a 1999 feature film called Kill the Man uh, that went to Sundance in 1999. I started teaching at the Second City Training Center in Los Angeles in 2001. And I taught there until 2007 when I moved to Austin, Texas, where I met your friend Kenny. And uh, um, I owned uh, and operated an improv theater in school from 2001 till covid and our 2007 till COVID. And then uh, uh, my girlfriend, Janet, and I moved here, moved from Austin to Nashville in uh, February of last year. So that's where I am now. Just keep bouncing around, do you? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm old. Ah, that's what <laughs> it's, that more, it's more, at my age, it's, more, it's not so much bouncing as it's just kind of falling. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. You'll have that. <laughs> and all of that, bouncing yeah. back and forth or falling as you say yeah uh, obviously you're looking for work in la uh in the early 90s mm-hmm. so tell me about the casting and how that worked uh back then because you were production order wise you're pretty early in the season one so i'm guessing they were looking for folks for your episode fairly quickly on and uh i'm wondering how you how you nailed that part well uh the real life Brady bunch got a lot of attention so at that time, the cast of the Real Life Brady Bunch, we were, we were, uh, uh, a lot of people were giving us a lot of meetings and, and stuff. And when they were casting the pilot, uh, I got called in about five or six times for Veer. And, uh, that went to, went to Stephen first. Like I went to producers, uh, many times and then they, they told me that, uh, well, we're, we're going to bring you in on something else. They felt bad. Uh, it, it was really close. It would have been nice. Um, although I like to say about my performance in Babylon 5, I like to say that uh, you can tell I didn't eat much of the craft service table because I sure did chew a lot of scenery. <laughs> that's such a, that's just a, you know, that's one of those turn left moments there, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yep. what if you had uh, gone ahead and taken on that role that would have obviously uh, had you working at that craft service table a lot more than just the one episode? Yeah. That, um, yeah. I remember when my agent called me and I, I said, Tom, they, they, uh, you didn't get it. They, they wanted to go with the name. And I have wait, Flounder from Animal <laughs> right. House? Flounder's the name. It, it's, it's the name? Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, yep, that's that's how I got it. And and um, uh, the casting director, Mary Jo Slater, apparently was a big Tom Booker fan. Very nice. Everybody was very nice. It was a nice process. And then when I got to audition for The Grail, I slept. I've never done this before or since, but I slept with the uh, script under my pillow, hoping that it would bring me luck. So you had either the two fairy coming or the, uh, I guess, acting fairy? Question. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, and that's, and then when, um, and uh, Christy, the writer, when we were shooting it, uh, said that she wanted to, um, in between setups, she goes, I have an idea for a sequel where you come back and you found something. It's not the grail, but it might be something. And I, I found out recently that, book interview that apparently this was the last thing that she 
wrote for television. Uh, uh, apparently, there were a lot of people that this was their last Babylon 5. Thing. I didn't know that the director had been let go before he shot this episode. Hmm. And uh, I, I really take the blame for all of that. <laughs> uh, I guess there was a... Uh, I, I, I was uh, somehow I was notified there was a, a podcast about Babylon Five where they called me the the worst actor in the world, and uh, then I went back and watched some of it. Like, huh, they're not wrong. Uh, I I, uh, I think there's. A, I mean, I love doing commercials, but I think there's a real reason. There there are people that are actors, and there are people that are performers. You see, I, yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm not sucking up. I swear uh-huh. to God, I'm not sucking yeah. up, but. One of the things we talk about in our show is when we first watched B5. And for me, I watched it when it first released. I'm 99% sure I was about 11 years old watching it in 93, 94. But I don't remember much of it because I was 11 years old watching it for the first time. So most of my memories are when I would rewatch it later on when it hit TNT back in 97, 98, whatever that was. But I got to tell you, one of the things I do remember is how much, and again, I'm not sucking up, how much I enjoyed Jinxo. Oh. And uh, seriously, because uh, Grail is one of those episodes that pops out probably for two reasons. One, I enjoy your character, but also with uh, David Warner, I being a Star Trek fan, um, you know, when uh, Chancellor Gorkhan's on the screen, I pay attention. I think... <laughs> I'm not ent- entirely sure what it is, but you bring that character, you you give it kind of a, a naivety, but also a passion for, you know, just caring about other people that I think stands out. So, uh, yeah, I think there is some sh- scenery chewing. I will not argue with you on that. Yeah, you can tell. tell it, on the list more- of people that chewed some scenery on Babylon Five, there are a lot of people ahead of you. Yeah, you're 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 probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah, but now yeah. for for at least eleven year old Scott, uh, you made an impression. So good. Yeah, I've I've been a a fan of Mr. Warner's for quite some time as well as Scott has. So we wanted to ask you about your experience working mm. with David Warner. A couple of things. One, he couldn't have been nicer. Could not have been nicer. He was great. Uh, and uh, one of the things that uh, when we we're uh, going to shoot our our last scene and um, we uh, one of our last scenes, we were in the the dressing room together. And he, uh, he goes, he started telling me, he said, Tom, 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 oh, I, I want to tell you, I, I don't, okay, I, I want you to know that when I'm dying and I see the grail, you are the grail. And I, I thought that was really, you know, because I'm just, well, which way do I look? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and you are the grail. I'm thinking, people think about this stuff. And, uh, and then another thing, another t- thing that uh, when we were shooting the scene where he died, uh, they shot him first, David Warner, and uh, and then when it was uh, my turn, when they uh, turned the, sing- the single on me, uh, he was laying on the ground and he said, "Tom, Tom, hold my hand, hold my, you know, it's out of the frame." I said, "Hold my hand," and then and then um, so we're I'm I'm doing my lines and then there's some work they had uh, converted this warehouse in in sun valley into a a, a sound stage and so off at the other end it, uh there was there was some work going on during my take and uh david warner knew i had no experience at this he was one of the first to know and 
he he uh, yelled, and I think this is the only time he yelled. I, I know it. And he said, uh, "Can they stop it? Can they stop it?" And then he just said, "It's not fair. It's not fair." Because he, you know, was standing up for me because he knew I. And uh, so those are. Couple of really nice things. Like I said, he couldn't have been nicer. So to use the cliche that's used too much, he was an actor's actor helping yeah. us out. That's awesome. Yeah, and it, and it's just I'm just so lucky to have worked with him. Yeah, you know, it's just, he's such, such a legend and a treasure, and it's just um, and it was it was fun. It it is great to when you're in the room with guys like that, where it just you just hope they start talking because you just want to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's uh, it's, it's wonderful. When he had worked with several members of the cast or mm-hmm. members of the cast, both at the time and later, Jim, the Jim Norton, and I was there when uh, it had apparently been a long time since they seen each other, mm-hmm. and because Jim had to uh, remind um, uh, uh, David Warner that uh, it, they hadn't seen each other since. Uh, straw dogs, which I think was late sixties, early seventies. Seventy one, yeah, and uh, and it also it was. I mean, everybody was really uh, nice on the set, except uh, what's his name? <laughs> you guys waited with bated breath here. Except, uh, oh, it was he was only on for the. Uh, that's why I had. Where would my cast go? Here we go. Uh, Michael O'Hare. I upset him a little bit. Um, tell us more. Yes. Okay. It was it was my last day, and there was a thing where he wanted to get some information out of me, and I wasn't giving him soon enough. So he threw me his character throws my character right. against the wall, and I, you know, being inexperienced, I kept moving, and so it was a take. You know, it was a, it was a close up, so I kept moving out of frame, and uh, apparently we did too many takes for Mister. Sinclair, uh, uh, <laughs> because as the takes, each time we had to redo it, I went into the wall a little harder. <laughs> he was just helping to motivate your acting. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man. You know, it is. He was helping you be a method actor. For I guess. I don't know. Maybe he was late for something. I, he was. <laughs> he had you by a few inches, too. So I think. <laughs> yeah, other than that. I mean, and I, and I, I, I'm going to just say he had a bad day. <laughs> Let's say he was having a bad day and he just didn't have any time to, to mess with Jinx up. Well, and unfortunately, um, you know, when you get into that story a little bit more, Michael O'Hare had a lot of bad days. But we'll, we're going to talk about that more with our show as we get a little deeper into the, uh, the season. Uh, the other person I wanted to talk with you about, well, there's several. But oh, I, yeah. Go ahead. No, go on, because I think it's coming up. Well, I don't know. Uh, so you mentioned uh, already that before you even started filming this episode, the director, Richard Compton, had been uh, uh, let go. And yeah. there, uh, Richard Compton is one of the few people that wind up in J. Michael Straczynski's book uh, by name. Uh, and he talks about how they did not get along when they were filming The Gathering, which was the pilot about a year before this, a little bit over a year before this. And so it's always interested me that even though they did not get along at all when they were filming the pilot, that Compton continued on and directed several episodes, this being his last one. So I wanted to get kind of your feed on how he was as a director and what you were seeing while you were there. Um, I, to me, he was great. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I had very, very little um, experience at the time 
And I didn't, I didn't know about the, uh, you know, that he'd been let go and still had to shoot this, the, this final episode, uh, until someone informed me of that and asked me, I didn't get a lot of direction, but, uh, and looking back, that might have been it, but I, I certainly couldn't say when we were doing it that he was phoning it in, you That's know, cool. and, and, or, or I had, I had no idea. So, um, you know, I, I think he, uh, and it could have been like, he's like, well, we can only do so much with this guy. Uh, 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 You're so good at talking yourself up, Tom. Well, <laughs> well, um, there's a reason I haven't done a, another guest star role since 1993. Don't you think? Oh, I don't know. Again, I'm biased. Well, they're bringing it back and I'm hoping to play Jinxo's dad. There you go. Wouldn't that it's be all great? about the reboot. It's all about the reboot. <laughs> Papa Jinxo. <laughs> well, why not, improv why not just is such look? such a difficult medium, and the fact that you teach it mu- must mean something about how uh, how good you are at at that. Because uh, I can't even imagine do- doing improv. Um, I, I've I, I did a little bit in high school, and I was awful at it. So. <laughs> now, Kevin, did you say you have kids? I do. Yes. Uh-huh. Scott does too. Yeah. You ever lie to him? Sure, occasionally. Well, that that's also called acting, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't tell me you, you don't know how to improvise. <laughs> no, uh, we yeah. don't have money for another Nerf gun. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's just uh, getting getting out of your way. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. So, Tom, what did you think yes. I was going to bring up? Who did you? I think thought you were going to talk about William Sanderson. I forgot about William Sanderson. Please. Okay. All right. Uh, and William Sanderson would, if he were here, he would he would tell the story. It was not um, a couple things. Uh, I, all right, first TV thing. I'm nervous, and uh, and I was the one in the wrong here. I was I was so we were when when you shoot a TV show, you uh, first every you know you, you you block the scene, and so you go and you're. You're, you're running lines, you're blocking the scene, and the director directs you, and the DP's talking so they can they know where to set up the lights and what set up to do next. And then you go away for a while, and, and then they get set up, and, the, and you come back. Well, when we were blocking the scene, I was trying to memorize my lines, and so I wasn't looking at my script. And, um, and at one point, uh, William uh, just shouts, my, my, one of my first days, not my first day, just shouts, He's giving me a different line every time. I just want to make sure everybody knows that. And in that voice that everyone who grew yeah. up in the 80s and 90s knows. And I just thought, <laughs> what a dick. And uh, But the thing is, he knows he's a dick. Uh, because at that time, we were doing a, a, a remount of Manson the Musical. And during our shoot, I said, hey, I'm doing this show. And, and I handed him a flyer. And he said, wow, I'd like to see, see this. You know... If we're still talking at the end of this, uh, can you remind me? Because I'd like to come. So, you know, I, I guess he's like that a lot. <laughs> were you still talking at the end of the shoot? We were, but <laughs> I don't think I reminded him about the show. Another great, uh, uh, Billy Mooney, that was great. How great is it to work with uh, uh, he? Uh, I mean, everybody, he was, he, uh, his, he had a band at the time, probably still does. Oh, yeah, yep. And uh, they were playing the Palomino, uh, which is a club. No, it was in the Valley. It's no longer there, but um, it was, 
talking to him was just like it was like a throwback in time. Yeah, he's just a. I don't, I don't think he's that old, but he seemed like an old hippie, and it was just a. And, and it's it's wonderful to to meet people that have been in the business that long and are just happy to be working. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was a a, a sweetheart. Yeah, yeah I, one of my white whales. I have a, my other podcast is a Twilight Zone podcast, so mm-hmm. my I, I continue to bug him and his people and he doesn't reply to me but sooner or later maybe but it, 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 he definitely um one thing he was actually not exactly a spring chicken when he did this he was uh in his 40s when he did the show and i was just uh reading a few days ago uh that um even though he plays like you know the younger mimbari in this show uh he is uh, about a year and a half older than mira furlong at, at this point when he uh really? is filming this so he plays the younger guy pretty well i guess it's because he's known as the younger guy even though he's been in the business since the 60s mm-hmm. yeah that that was that was it was it was great too and another guy that you just hope um will uh talk about it you know say something try to you know so i was looking at the cast of john yeah. any what do you have any other other questions what uh i'd love to hear about yeah. just you know advice you would have we have uh you know uh, we have a lot of uh theater and actor nerds that gravitate our way mm-hmm. uh, and especially with our, our podcast network which is the front row network which is just made up of a bunch of theater nerds. I'd love to get your advice on how to make a career like this work for, for better or for worse. A <laughs> uh, couple things. I mean, it's, this is uh, one of the things that I've been uh, doing since I've been in Nashville is I've been a contract writer for, uh, I don't know if you guys know who Dave Ramsey is. Mm, yes. Uh, and so. Um, I work in finance. So. Okay. Yeah. So I've been uh, writing a lot of scripts. Uh, past few years, my my life has just been. Hmm, did see that one coming, and because uh, I don't see, I'm not the guy that you want to write scripts about personal finance. Uh, but there's a lot of, huh? Why didn't I listen to this advice? And then I'm like, okay, well, let's put that in the script. A um, couple things that I would put in my acting script uh, would uh, work on one thing at a time. Also, pay attention to what. Uh, how the world responds to what you do, and it's and it's the same advice, uh, same advice that I would think of as if you're an actor or a writer um, or director. Think of yourself as a small business, you know, and and uh, what would people pay your small business to do, and uh, what do you enjoy doing rather than I, I think I try to do too much rather than focusing on one thing. Um, also. Uh, it's okay to have fun, but see what you can, if there's a way to do what, get paid for do to do what you have fun doing. Find the fun in what you do. And also know that there's no reason why you can't get paid to do your dream. Be willing to fail. It happens no matter what you do. I mean, if you're selling boiled peanuts in the parking lot, you're going to have a bad day. So why not have a bad day trying to be an actor, writer, or director? <laughs> and, and put put in the reps. Just show up, show up each day to the page or, or be, you know, constantly working on being the best artist you can be and find, find the joy in mastery rather than fame. I think that's a big thing yeah. that old Tom Booker wishes young Tom Booker would have known mm. um, is, is work. At the, Steve Martin has a great line. Uh, be so good that they can't ignore you. 
And if you just focus on getting the best uh, that you can at, at your craft, the other stuff will take care of itself. I like that line, Tom. I'm going to steal it. I stole it from Steve. Well, not, not, not the Steve Martin one, the one before that. I like to say Steve like I know him. Uh, which, which line is that? Find joy and mastery rather than... Because uh... that's an achievable goal. Yeah. Well, I mean, find goal, joy in the process. The reason I, did, I think I did so well doing commercials is I loved auditioning for commercials. And if you love auditioning for commercials, your auditions are going to be... Because the stuff that I was auditioning for was fun, and the people that I was auditioning with were great, and um, it was wonderful. In hindsight, not a good way to make a long-term acting career, uh, because if I'd been as successful in film and television as I had been in commercials, I w- would reach a stage where I wouldn't have to audition every time. But with commercials, you, yeah. And you wouldn't be interviewing with us. <laughs> I knew I would. I, would, I wouldn't pull a Mooney. <laughs> there you go. I, I have a feeling I when like you talk. It. I have a feeling when you talk to him. Um, I mean, who knows if his if his people? Because I'm sure he gets a lot. But oh yeah, I think if if you were to uh, ever meet him face to face and ask him, he'd say yes. He'd be pr- really excited. I, I, I bet so. And that's yeah. that's you know the one thing we we we've uh, we've talked to a couple folks uh, who were cast on the show, and the one thing that's been very you know nice to hear is that. For the most part, unless somebody's being a dick, the uh, people are good people and yeah. enjoying their craft, which is great. And that stuff starts at the top, like any job, you know. And it's so it's just the 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 leaders were were nice people, and yeah. And uh, I'm not it, William Sanderson seems like the kind of guy that doesn't get along with a lot of people, <laughs> but he keeps it on the inside mostly, so it seems to work out. He's very talented. He's, I mean, he's obviously. <laughs> who knows maybe he's nice now maybe <laughs> all of a sudden there's a knock on my nashville door hey, Tom. i heard you're talking about me <laughs> want to get together cup of coffee sure talk, talk about acting okay okay bill i don't know if he was called bill <laughs> tom is there anything else you want to hit on anything you want to talk about you're working on or anything else before we um uh, no i'm remounting maybe a pat- podcast called the good morning i love you show podcast um that i was doing a daily podcast it's yeah i i when i moved from la to austin everybody was so nice to me i thought they were messing with me <laughs> and, and i couldn't understand it but like i want to be known as the man who brought hate to austin and uh, I was in Austin long enough to to uh, put together a podcast called The Good Morning I Love You. Show your daily dose of positive stuff that helps start your day off right. And now I'm a, I'm a preacher's wife in East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm supposed to be famous. And instead, I'm a humble preacher's wife in East Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Janet, my partner, uh, Got a uh, a job as a minister here in Nashville. This is I don't know if you know what a parsonage is. It's a house mm-hmm. that's owned by. Yep, it, you're looking we at a parsonage. We have one right across the street from my house. <laughs> so it's I, I yeah. Both Dan and I are like, hmm, how did this happen? But we're having fun. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time. It's uh, been great chatting with you. We have a whole bunch of folks who are experiencing this for the first time. So I'm looking forward to getting their reactions to your, as you said, scenery chewing and see uh, how they feel about that. And uh, I want to do a convention. Yeah. No one's asked me to do a convention. 
I'll tell you what, I'm 100% serious on this. Yeah. We, uh, Front Row Network does a lot of work with St. Louis Fan Expo, which is not too far from you. We, I'm there. We can get this done. I, I'm 100%. We can get this done. I just want the experience. It's not like, I didn't, but like, wouldn't it be fun? It might be fun. I don't know. You would, I'm telling you, uh, just knowing the, the, the nerds that are there, you would draw a crowd. I'm telling well, you. Let's spread the word. Jinxo is available. Sure. Okay. <laughs> we're, but dude, um, we're, we're writing you we got down. This. All right. We got this. I'm, I am calling my brother as we speak. Because <laughs> they were already talking about trying to put together a battle on five panels. So let's okay. do it. We got this. You got it. Come on down to St. Louis. It's Everybody great. else is dead. So, <laughs> Jesus, just my motto. <laughs> hey, man. Tom Booker, Chingso, Babylon 5, in parentheses, everyone else is dead. <laughs> I was a director of an organization because of attrition. I hear you. I get it. <laughs> That's why I'm with Janet. She just got, you know, she just like, well, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> she settled. Excellent. Don't let her know. Don't tell her. <laughs> Well, on that wonderful note, Tom, I really do appreciate it. And again, I love you so guys. Thank you so much. I sincerely mean it, though, man. Um, th- th- I don't have too many memories uh, back then because I'm now old and senile, but I remember you, and uh, oh, that's it, it, it was very much impactful to my uh, kid brain. So thank you so much for what you did and what you do, man. All right. Well, okay, Tom, that. thank you so much. Right, thank you so it, very much, Tom. You guys have a great I'm day. Serious. Uh, we'll see you in Real St. Louis. To meet you. I, I, I'm there. Okay. All right. Bye. Have a good one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so please join the discussion on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing Babylon 5 themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth.